Thank you. Good morning. You guys can see me at the back there, eh? Because I just don't like to be up there. It's like oxygen depravity or something like that. Anyways, so I've got like a very unique title for my preach this morning, and it goes like this. I don't want to be a Christian. I want to be disciple take two. (laughs) So I just plagiarized. Uh, (laughs) I plagiarized Rian's preach from last week. Um, They just asked me to, I preached in the City Bowl last week, and uh, we've preached very similar things. Actually, it was quite cool. Um, how, how great minds think alike. <laughs> I'm trying to like puff myself this morning, you know what I'm And so um, I just, I'm going to re-preach his preach just in my, in my way uh, and say very much the same thing as he said, just in a different kind of perspective. So for those who were with me last week, I try to change it a little bit so that you don't get bored. But then I was just thinking, maybe you guys just need to hear the word over and over again because God wants you to. So good luck to you guys, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Carlos, that was for you, bro. You know what I'm saying? God is speaking. So just a reminder, you, sp- you spoke about discipleship, and it was a very good preach. I listened to it at least, I think it was two or three times. I don't want to lie. But it was a, a, I listened to it over and over, and I think if you didn't listen to it, or even if you did listen to it, listen to it again. I think it's a very key word uh, to take us forward in what God is wanting us to be like as a, as a congregation. And something, it feels like something of that word, we're going to be able to model that to, to other congregations, but even within Josh Jen. There's something, there's something on that word. And so I just want to remind us quickly, the goal of discipleship is this. Towards ourself, it's to become more like Christ. So when we say the word, be a disciple and not a Christian, for us, I need to become like Christ more and more every day. That's what a disciple is. It's a, one that's been taught. The nuance has been taught and to teach. And it's intention. And it's, it's, it's both and. And they're both equally important. Are you guys with me? So like, so, and, and like, so use an example. So I've led congregations in Josh Jen for a very, very, very long time. And the new season is so amazing because now I'm not leading anymore. And it's so fantastic. It's like, I was that guy that had to think all the time. And not, not that I'm not thinking. So here, here I, mean, I still think. But I was setting the tone. I was the tip of the spear in a sense. I was always like, how do I bring the elders? How do I bring the deacons? How do I bring the congregation with us? What is the vision under Andrew? All these things. And it's just a continual pressure. And teaching and teaching and being that. And now Rian's that guy. Thank you, Rian. And so I've come on, and I'm like, flip, every time I meet with Ryan, I learn something. It's been phenomenal. It's like, yes, this young guy, full of God, an amazing gift on him. Like, I don't just say things lightly, like nice things lightly. Abby will know. I'm like, quite a, but there's an amazing gift on this guy to lead. And as I come in, I'm like, geez, that's amazing. Every time I meet with him, I'm like, what can I learn today? And so I was once discipling, and I still am, to a certain degree. And sometimes he'll go, bro, what do you think? With your experience and say, well, how do you? And so there's this being taught and teaching, being taught and teaching. That's a disciple. So for us, it's to become more like Christ. Say that. I want to become more like, no, say it if you believe it. Don't say it if you don't know. I want to be more like Christ. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a disciple. Yes, but you're even like so excited, you can't even get the words out. It's so. <laughs> Trying to lighten the heart here, lighten the mood. And so, and then towards others, discipleship means servanthood. And so you have these two tensions playing together and with each other. And sometimes you need to teach others. And sometimes you need to be taught. And it's the wisdom in, in being a good disciple of Christ is to know when you need to be taught. And when your opinion doesn't really matter, or your attitudes don't matter, or your, what you're feeling doesn't matter. And then more than that, it's how do I serve others? Think about Jesus. And I said this probably in the last preach. I can't remember what I said. I'm just going to say it. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of glory, the Savior of the world. Whether you believe it or not, it doesn't really matter what you believe. It matters about who Christ is. He came. He gave up his heavenly realm, heavenly being, he was once without form, 
all-knowing, all-powerful, just like the Father, just like the Holy Spirit, came willingly to take the form of a man so that we could have a little bit of an understanding of who God is in our little inny-pinny bitty minds. He walked the planet perfectly in every way, not sinning one time, became a sacrifice, hung on a cross, one of the most horrific deaths. I mean, I was listening to a podcast not too long ago about secular historians. They're not even believers from the UK. Man, man, they, even, the, even those guys who are like, you don't want to die on a sacrificial cross death like Jesus did. Like just the brutality of it. He did that so that we become the righteousness of God. Not only that, he rose again on the third day. Not only that, he's in heaven right now interceding that every single one of us becomes a disciple of him. Oh, So even Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And if we want to be good disciples, not Christians, we need to take Jesus' example to heart. Because he did it perfectly. I can't. I, I mean, even last week, I'm going to get there just now, but I was like, one of my points I'm going to jump ahead of my notes here. My point is like, when you see me behind the pulpit, it's the same as when I'm at home or on the sports field or in the shopping center, whatever, Monday comes. Abby's like, no, you're not. I'm like, oh. <laughs> broken inside, like crying. What do you mean I'm not? Anyways, so I'll get there later, but I'm still kind of work through that angle of that. <laughs> and so, Ryan had four points. His first point was this, a disciple looks devoted. I want to talk about what devotion is. And he mentioned getting into the word of God. Do you remember that? Why? Why do we push quiet times all the time? For those who don't know what quiet time is, it's just taking some time in the day to spend time with Jesus. Praying, reading the Bible, maybe listening to worship, contemplating life, however you did. Why? Are we saying that because we want you to be religious? Are we saying that because we're old-fashioned? And we just think that you don't have anything better to do with your time. No, he's saying that because that brings us into the place that Jesus can transform us daily. It's called intimacy. For those who are married, you know that intimacy is when you get super naked. I know that everyone's like, you can't talk about sex in church. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. Sorry for the, the, I'm going to try and not make it explicit though, but. Like the most intimate, the most vulnerable, the most where, where you put yourself out there totally naked is being intimate with your husband or wife within marriage. That's how God designed intimacy. It's, man, it can go pear-shaped very, very quickly because you can't hide. It's a glorious thing, but it's also a very stressful thing sometimes. <laughs> and so when it comes to walking with the Lord, what is, let me ask you this. What is eternal life? Who said that? You know your Bible. Well done, bud. Put uh, John 17, 3 up there for me. This is eternal life. It's not that we're floating on clouds one day, shooting hops at each other, whatever you think heaven is. This is what Jesus says about eternal life. Eternal life is this, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. <laughs> you know how I know I have eternal life right now? It's because I believe in Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Somebody, somebody is like, amen, or get excited or something. <laughs> Eternal life is this. It's knowing God. It's intimacy. That word know there is a word for intimacy. Having sexual relationships between husband and wife. That's the word. Go read it in the Greek. It's not just, I know you from a distance or, hey, how you doing? Oh, cool. Have a lovely life. It's, I know everything about Rian. And he knows everything about me, the, the deepest darks. We start to open it up to each other. I love it. I love our relationship. I love what God is doing. This is like, man, I'm really battling with this. Help me. Or just, it's, it's not just I know of him, like Easter, Easter comers and Christmas comers. They come to church twice, maybe once and a half or a year. Once and twi- maybe twice a year. I come in Easter because it's something I have to do because it's a religious thing. I know of Christ. It's, that's different to knowing Christ intimately, and the way we do that is spend time with Him. And the way we do that is spend time in the Word, and praying, and thinking of Him. So when we say, please have a quiet time, please cut out time in your day. 
before your meetings, pray and ask them to give wisdom. It's not because we're trying to be old-fashioned and trying to be controlling and trying to be all religious and stuff. We go, no, no, eternal life. I did what you did. You got the, you got the, he's got this cool thing when you listen to his preachers over and over. He goes, no, 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 but I did it now. You're rubbing off on me, man. I'm becoming your disciple. It's awesome. I love it. It's eternal life. Listen, guys, you've got to get this. To be a disciple is you're intimate with Christ. Where you open up your heart fully. You give him your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love the Lord your God with everything. That's what it is to know him. So when, when Rian preached about being devoted, I know, I know people, because I've been working with people for a long time. A lot of us might have been, oh, he's just telling us to do stuff again. Yes, he is, because he loves you, because he wants you to have eternal life. And Christ wants you to have eternal life, because he gave his life for you. And listen, it doesn't matter how old or how young you are, you can be intimate with the Lord. It's just, with the Holy Spirit's help, I'm choosing to give him my everything. I mean, that can be a very, very scary and exciting thing at the same time. So we see Jesus do this. Mark 1 verse 35 says this. Yes, but you're on it. Mark, you're a machine. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, just can you keep it up? And then I'll just... So, so even Jesus, who came to serve, right? He, he wakes up often. This is one of many scriptures, one of many times where he goes to a solitary place. And he spends time with the Father. <laughs> even Jesus was intimate with the Father. So think about this. If you read the Gospels, and I've read them quite a few times, does Jesus ever fail in healing somebody or casting out demons or... Leading someone to God, or is there any, have you ever, except for that place where he dusts his feet off because people don't want to listen to him. I'm not talking about that part. Why does he have a 100% record in impacting people's lives? Someone said it, yeah. I know. Someone wanted to say it, yeah. He only did what the Father wanted him to do. What? Even Jesus, the Son of God, he came from heaven. He was, that, he was that model for us. You're going, I, even, even though I am who I am, and I, I think he knew a lot more than we know. There's inklings. He was fully man, but fully God at the same time. We're not going to get into that, because that's a whole other preach. But, and sometimes he knew, the, and sometimes he didn't. And, he like, and, and I think he was just like, mercy is power under control. So I think he had all the power, but he controlled himself. So even Jesus went to the solitary place. And you know the cool thing about Jesus is, he did it for himself, but then he also took people with him into that solitary place. And when Abby was telling me, hey, you're not the same when you're preaching or at your home. What you're saying to me is because after a lot of tears and gnashing of teeth and crying from my side, obviously, she was like, but Brad, I don't see you in those intimate places. I don't see you praying. I don't see you worshiping for yourself. You're not modeling that for me. And I'm like, it's, for some reason, I think this is my... Um, my religious background, upbringing in a very like conservative church movement, is I learned certain. I love Jesus. Hear, hear, hear what I'm saying. And what I'm not saying. I love Jesus. I, I've given my life to him. I've, I've, I'm trying to serve him as best possible. But there is still a disconnect that I can't model that to my family somehow. And what Abby was saying to me was actually beautiful. She's like, "Brad, I want to see you." Like when, you, when you're preaching passionately and you're like, really believe, I want to see that in the home. Somehow I'm trying to figure that out. I'm just being open with it. I'm, I'm also battling with it. I want to see. I want them to see. And I, sometimes, I'm in my head a lot. I'm like, Jesus speaks to me a lot. And I don't, I don't even know how to bring it out. Like preachers are hours and hours of thinking and praying and putting ideas and then taking them off and then putting them back on. And then somehow something happens. And she wants that of me. It's just, and she's going, I want to be intimate with you as Christ is intimate with you. And so there is this principle of go in the room, close the door, pray to the Father, and he will hear from you. There's something of that, what Jesus does, but then he also brings his disciples into that sometimes. Does that make sense? 
So it's actually an encouragement. When, when, you, when we're called to be devoted, when we're called to be intimate, it's because eternal life is hinging on that. What I, what I believe Jesus did was, was, remember when he got baptized? Like Jesus got baptized before he died. That's quite profound. Because baptism is a picture of Christ going under the water, like death into the graves and then coming up raised again, right? So when we get baptized, when you're under, and that's why we hold you guys under there longer sometimes. Those guys are really bad. You know, you hold them in there. <laughs> kidding, kidding. But I have done that once. It was fantastic. And as you come out, as you come, I'm just trying to put some comedic. As you come out, it's like, it's a picture of you've been, you've been in the ground with Christ and now you've risen again, right? So Jesus got baptized before that happened. That's cool. Think about it. It's like, what? And then, there's this voice from heaven. This is my son who I'm well pleased. And then what is, then the Spirit, the Word of God says, go read it. The Spirit led him where? Where? The desolate place. The wilderness, the desert. No food for 40 days. He's probably uh, very close to death. The devil's coming, smashing him, ba 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 ba. Like, <laughs> he's tempted like. We all tempted in every way, the Bible says, yet he never failed. There's something of a strength that Jesus gained from that solitary place, being intimate with the Father. I, I really believe that the desert place where Jesus was, was a picture of the cross. If he hadn't overcome in the desert, he wouldn't have been able to hang on the cross. And I think what Jesus did was, every day, he took the desert place into his everyday life. He said, I need you, Father, so much so that every single person that I encounter will be reflected and pointed back to you. And he went to the desert place over and over and over again because he realized he needed the Father. Where we mess it up is we think we're cool. We think we don't need intimacy anymore. We don't have to be devoted because I've been devoted for 37 years of my life. Listen, the Bible says in more than one occasion, the mercies of God are new every day. <laughs> we need Him every day, just like the first day we met Him. Okay, it's the first point. So intimacy, devotion. How do we become good disciples? Pointing people to Jesus. We're intimate with Him. Second thing is um, interconnection. Rian's second preach was, be ready. And I was thinking, okay, how are we ready? We need to actually have other people in our lives. So Mahatma Gandhi, you know that guy with the glasses and he walked and he was very pacifist. He said, if it weren't for Christians, I'd be a Christian. That's quite interesting. If it weren't for Christians, I would be a Christian. <laughs> he was actually knocking us big time. He was going, what Christians say and what they do don't reflect who God is. And if because of them, I don't want to be a Christian. Now, there's a pitfall there, and this is Abby's quote, which she gave me this morning. She said, how often do we allow our different offenses towards other people make an excuse for us to not press into Jesus? I thought, babes, I'm going to quote you because that's awesome. And so what Matt Bagundi was doing was he was going, I'm looking at you, and look, I'm looking at the church, and they're not living up to what I, what I think they should be living. And he used us as an excuse not to believe in Jesus. The problem with that is, when you stood before Jesus, whoo, you would have been like, hey, this is the church. You're like, Jesus, no, 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 no. Intimacy, you've got to be personally connected to me. So I don't understand why God chose the church, but he did. The vessel for God's power on earth is the church. I haven't got this in my notes. I'm going off here. But uh, Ephesians 10, verse 3 I think. Let's see if I'm right. I don't understand why God did this, but Ephesians 3, verse 10. Please, Lord, let it be the right scripture. <laughs> and so while they're finding it, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. Yeah, please. Yes, yes. No, my Bible. Yes. His intent. God's intent, the Father's intent, the creator of the universe's intent was now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Get this. God's eternal plan and purpose was to use us 
And the, and the phrase manifold wisdom, if you go look at the original, means a tapestry. Interesting. And so the thing about a tapestry is the closer you get to it, the more you can see the individual strands as they tap. You know, like the tapestry is the, 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 the cordage, or what's the, what's the right word? The, the thread. And you can see the individual threads, and you probably see the different colors, and you can see all the... And then as you step back from the tapestry, and as, the more you move away, and when I was in London, I went to the museum with all those art, the art museum. Yo, there's some beautiful paintings there. And they never put the, the bar right there because people egg it, but it's not because of that. It's because the further the way you stand from the painting, the better you get the bigger picture. So this is the nuance. The different colors, the different threads, the different directions. The, is us. We're all different. Black, white, English, Afrikaans, fat, thin, bald, not bald. And you know Jesus, Jesus made some heads perfect, the rest are covered with hair. You know that, eh? But, see what I did there? Thank you, thank you. High five, high five. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. All the bald people. Hallelujah. And just be careful, hey, if you cheat a bald guy, know what happened in the Old Testament? Forty bears came and mauled those kids, but watch out. You know what I'm saying? Just kidding. I'm going way too far, Drew. But anyways, getting back to this. We're all different. We all got different flavors. Man, I age people up sometimes. I'm sorry about that. I'm trying not to. I'm trying to be nice. I'm like I really am. I'm trying to not make you upset. Oh, thank you. But I'm me. I'm I'm just me. This is how God made me. I don't want to be anyone else. If someone asked me once, do you want to be like Andrew? I'm like, no, hell no, no. And they looked at me like, why wouldn't you like to be like Andrew? Because I said to him, I'm not Andrew, I'm Brett. But what I do desperately want to be is the best Brett that I could be to reflect Christ's glory. Anyways, yes, and say that for your own name and go, amen. And so, I don't know, but his intent was through us, motley crew that are not perfect in any way, that are different, that have irks and challenges and sin and pain and hurt. He's using us as a manifold wisdom of God. And as we stand back, we see the beautiful picture of the church rising up and being the feet and the hands of Jesus on this earth. But we need each other to do that. We need the pinky toe. We need the ear lobe. We need the eyelashes, eyelash, eyebrow, eyelashes. We need the knees. We need the calves. We need the quads. We need the pecs. We need the, every part of the body is needed. So we need each other, actually. To be a good disciple is to be with each other. Makes sense, eh? And so those Christians that say, I can be a Christian, but I don't go to church, I honestly don't know if you're saved. Because that's not what God is saying. His intent was now through the church. Not through the individual. Not through some oak that thinks he's a prophet. One of our gatherings, I'm always on the security table at the gatherings. One of the guys said, I'm a prophet to Cape Town or something. I very quickly ushered him out of the door. I said, you can prophesy on the streets. Because he was wanting to be on his own mission. He didn't want to be part of the body. He's doing his own thing. Crazy stuff. So let me just get back to my notes here. That was a little bit of whoop. And so we can't use other people as an excuse for not, us not to connect with God and connect with each other. And we see this. Jesus has people in his life daily. So, so the thing about interconnection is it's informal and it's formal. And so we don't get this right. So at the church, we put on our nice clothes. We're like, whoo, I'm going to put on my cologne. I put on some lacquer cologne. If you want to come smell my neck later, you can. I'm very proud of my cologne. And you're like, I'm going to be like, I'm going to put my church voice on. I'm going to, I'm going to put my church clothes on. I'm going to, that's, that's just one element. And Jesus, you can see Jesus, he preaches in the synagogue, but he also has people in his everyday life. <laughs> and so this is just a pit stop. Think about this. I'm going to rebuke us a little bit here. And I'm included in this rebuke. Sunday mornings for us is a pit stop. It's not the beginning and end of anything. We don't have to preach on a Sunday. We don't have to have worship on a Sunday. We don't have to do anything on a Sunday. <laughs> we want to be Holy Spirit led. And so we do all those things because they're important. But we don't have to do them. So think about this. When worship tanks on a Sunday morning, do we go home and go, yo, those worship leaders sucked. Or that guy that led the meeting, whoa, he missed it totally. Or well, that preacher, man, he should have worn a cap. 
It's one thing, I wear a cap, I get flack for preaching in a cap. I don't wear a cap, I get flack for preaching in no cap. It's weird. It's like people are like that, you know. Have you ever considered that Sunday is an overspill of us connecting with each other and with the God? So if you're not worshiping at home, how are we expected the worship to go off the charts here? If you're not praying at home, and not intimate with the Lord, and not in each other's lives. We believe in what's in your fridge is mine, and what's in my fridge is yours. We believe in everyday Christianity, not a, a preaching center Christianity, where you come to church, you hear a good preacher, you go home, and you live like you want to live, and then next time you come, and you live like you want. No, we believe in a Christianity that's every single day. That's Joshua. And if you don't want to be part of that, then that door is open, you're welcome to leave. <laughs> what if? Because we're slacking. We get to a Sunday and it tanks. And then the poor preacher's blamed, or the oak that's leading is blamed, or the worship leader. But it's actually us. Have you ever considered that? <laughs> that's a little mini rebuke, but I'm smiling when I do it. So you know I love you guys. And I love me. So it's formal and it's informal. It's interconnection with each other. It's intimacy, but it's also interconnection. 2 Timothy 4.2. This is in my note. Says this. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. And so when when um when Ren was talking about being ready, I thought of the scripture. I mean like preach the word. And preaching the word is like what I'm doing now, but we can also preach the word with our lifestyle, with our actions with the way we love each other, with the way we're patient with each other. Whether the times are favorable or not. You know we fall into, we're like, I'll only do it when it's perfect. I, I preached last week and I said, and I, I have mentioned this to us before, I think. When I say I live by faith, but God has to tell me exactly what he wants me to do, that's not faith. That's him showing me, I don't need faith when he's already shown me. Faith is, God goes, you're going to do this, and he doesn't give you anything. You go, okay, because of you, God, I'm going to do it. Very different thing. And so be prepared. And it's, we, we often want to go for the favorable. And Rian, was, Rian led so well this morning. And, and I'm going to bring him into my next point as well. But, man, it's, like, it's not about favor. It's not about, like, and he said, if we don't receive anything from God, but we just bring ourselves to him, is that good enough? That is a powerful, profound concept to put in our hearts. And then it goes and says, be patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. And so where we get it wrong is this, we're not patient. We met with someone the other night and I said, as long as it takes you to overcome this thing, we're going to walk with you. <laughs> it's beautiful, eh? So being a good disciple is intimacy, but then interconnection, realizing that you're part of a church, realizing that we're not perfect, and we're not, we've never said we're the perfect church. We're trying to be, but we're not there yet. So we need patience with another. We need, a, we need to act as Jesus acted. We need to preach the word, whether it's up here or on the streets or in our homes or whatever, patiently, with rebuking and correcting and encouraging and all those things. That's part of it. The trap that we're falling into, I think, as a church, is this, that we become an Instagram church. Instagram is very dangerous because you, you look at all these photos and they look beautiful. But you know how filtered they are? Like super filtered. Like you won't even re- recognize that the photo is the same if you look at it unfiltered versus a filtered. And so what we do is we come and we put this filter on, a mask. And we act like we love each other and we act like we got it all down and we act like nothing can. But in actual fact, behind the scenes, the unfiltered photo, we are broken. We are needing each other. We are needing Christ. I mean, there was that couple that he murdered her and then he committed suicide a few months ago. I don't know if he, they have this Instagram following YouTube and they, they're travelers, they're world travelers. Man, the pictures are beautiful, the videos are make beautiful, they're so happy. But behind the scenes, they were beating each other up. Eventually, he murdered her, threw her down a mountain. Crazy. And all of a sudden, the world is up and well, how can it be? It's because they weren't real, actually. One of the most scariest things 
And the most glorious thing is this, is to walk in the light as he is in a walk in the light. That means, and Helen said something at our elders meeting the other day, which was amazing. She said, when we come, when we bring things to Christ, often it's not nice. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. But that's where growth happens. Oh, okay, I've got to move on to my, uh, on to my third point. And then we're almost there. We're going to start landing soon. See, maybe before that, sorry, one more thing. 1 Timothy 4.12, this is important for us because there's no shortcuts. So Paul writes to Timothy, he says, don't let people look down you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Now, it's interesting because when I did my research a few years ago, the, the age thing, like how do we class people as young? In biblical days, 40 was bordering on like maturity, actually, 30 to 40. So anyone under 40, this is really for you, and everyone over 40 is really for you. It's like, don't let people look down at you because you're young. And what young people do is, and they do this not knowingly, they speak beyond their years. They try to live beyond their years. They try, so like if you've ever spoken to a young person who doesn't know what he's talking about, it's like clang, 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 clang. And there's an older person going, what the heck? He's like trying to give me. And so, and in a sense, Paul said that to Timothy. Don't let people look down on you because you're young. Don't say things that you don't know anything about. Don't try to live things that you've never lived. Don't. So even when I prepped this preach, like on discipleship, the city ball goes, please can you come? I phoned a few guys and I said, do I disciple well? And most of them said, yes, you do fairly well. So I'm like, okay, I can at least preach it, I think. Because <laughs> I don't want to preach something I'm not living. Or at least trying to live in. Otherwise, it's clang, 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 clang. Right? And so when it says, don't let people look down at you, but set an example. It's saying, hey, guys, just be you. If you've never bought a house, you won't know the, the, the pain of the bond and the stress of that. If you've never had a baby, please don't try correct necessarily those people, kid, kids, because you don't know what it is like to have kids and the stresses that come with that. And if, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, there's some things you can talk about when you haven't experienced. Like, you can talk about death because I haven't died, but I can still speak about it. So don't go too far to the other side. But it's generally like, don't overdo things that you don't actually have a clue on. Because when people receive you, then you're not going to be an example. You're going to be a clang, 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 symbol. Cool. Okay, that leads us to three. Be intentional, which... Which when Ryan was preaching last week, he said, be obedient. Oh, the word obedience. <laughs> think about it. Like, obey me. You know that? Like, like think, think about this. Jesus said, I command you. It's a command to be discipling people into all nations. Better than the name of the Father. It's not a, hey, this is a good suggestion if you feel like it. What? Jesus was commanding. We don't actually have a choice. If you say... <laughs> that you're a believer of Jesus Christ. And we're not being a disciple. And that's what Ren was trying to say last week. We're not Christians, we're disciples. If we, we're actually disobeying God the Father. Now, everyone's like, Shh, those guys with authority issues, all of a sudden. <laughs> Maybe Wesley's going, well, we'll see. see but, uh, think about it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wreck somebody's life today because I try to do that at least once in a preach. Thank you. But, um, I mean, thinking when I preached that love preach, I got some some interesting uh, feedback from quite a few people, which which is interesting. And so, when it comes to being obedient and intentional, um, you need to know this. Sometimes I throw things out there because I want you to think. Actually, I don't care if you believe me or not or agree with me. That's not the point. The point is. Are you thinking? And so, there's this thing about love, and I'm going to throw it out. Is there going to help us with obedience? Love is unconditional. Uh-oh, now I'm going to touch somebody. I can't find that in the Bible. Hmm. Can you put up, um, this is one example. Um, am I jumping my notes here? Sorry. Um. Oh, where is it? Yeah. 
John, it's, it's, uh, oh, there we go. Um, John 14, 15, it's up there. I gave it to you. So God says this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Other, other translations say, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So if, if love is unconditional, why are there conditions? In the Old Testament, God said, if you want to be my people, you've got to hold to the Ten Commandments. I'm married to Abby. I have a covenant with her. She's my wife. I'm a husband. There's conditions to this marriage. I can't look at anyone else. I can't sleep with anyone else. I can't have an emotional attachment to anyone else. She's my lady. She's my person. So yes, in one sense, God is unconditionally loving because he never breaks his commandments. But there are conditions attached to God's love for us. One of them is be a disciple. <laughs> Uh-oh. So now I'm throwing that out to you because I want you to think. Because if we're thinking we can just live like we want to live and do what we want to do, that's not obedience to Christ. That's obedience to you. You become your own God. And if you are your own God and you're living like you want to live, you're not going to be a good disciple. And you're not going to be obedient to him. Oh, this is like the worst points. It will get better after this. We, we, we have so many christian things that hold us back from being good disciples. But being obedient and being intentional is what Jesus did. And I think that's why he made so much impact. When it comes to obeying his commandments, when it comes to being obedient, let's look at Luke 6 verses whatever it was, 14. Verse 12. Listen to this. One of these days, Jesus went out to the mountaintop to pray and spent the night praying to God. Then he goes on like this. He goes, when morning came, he called his disciples. It was interesting. Rian spoke about Jesus calling his disciples and stuff. It almost feels like if you just read the, the scripture, in the morning came, he went out and he called his disciples, he walked to the beach and he called them. It almost feels like haphazard, right? It wasn't. <laughs> Think about it. He prayed the whole night. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm assuming a few things here, so I could be wrong. But like, go to verse 12 again quickly. Just let, let, let's just check here. One of those days, Jesus went up to the mountainside to pray. He spent the night praying to God. Verse 13 again. When morning came, so it's the next morning, he called his disciples to him. There were more than 12 disciples. Have you ever read that? So he called his disciples to him, and then he chose 12 of them to be apostles. That's cool. And he chooses 12. And how many, how many hours in a night? 12. What? Jesus was intentional? Yes. <laughs> he doesn't ever do anything haphazardly. He actually prayed for 12 hours for 12 men. And then he called his disciples, which were more than 12, and he said, Peter, John, and if you go carry on the thing, they'll give all the names. <laughs> Bartholomew, Andrew, James, Philip, come, I'm going to make you apostles. Think about Zacchaeus up a tree. Think about the lady at the well. Think about the demon-possessed man. Think about the lepers. Everything Jesus did was intentional and in obedience to the Father. Jesus threw out parables to get people confused. Do you know that? And only those who sought after him, only those who came after him said, help us understand where he said, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. <laughs> So to be a good disciple is intimacy with him, interconnection with each other, being intentional. We had Mike and Marianne over for dinner on, on Friday night. What a lacquer couple. But it was a time of catering and eating lacquer food, but also intentional in getting to know each other. And man, every night I fell in love with them again. And I left there like, whoa, I like that couple. I want to be like them when I grow up, you know. <laughs> yes, we had fun. But man, we also speak some deep things. You know, I threw out a question, and Abby's like, well, what about that to you? I'm like, oh, cook. <laughs> and then she got me in with her own question. It's intentional. And then lastly, as I land. To be a good disciple, Rian said, it's to grow. And I thought, bring it in a different way. It's an investment. Jesus says, go deep and go out. 
investments are interesting things because normally a good investment takes a long time. I'm investing for my old age coming up in like 20 years' time or whatever it is. I'm putting away every month now that hopefully that investment brings joy at the end of my life. That I can retire or if whatever that looks like as a pastor. But that I could be able to live. Investments take a long time. They, they take stuff out of us. <laughs> we don't know what they're going to produce. So coming back to the Edgemead side, after many years of being a youth pastor many years ago, sometimes I see my, my investment I didn't even know I made. I was walking in spa the other day. Someone comes up to me. I can't even remember who they are, like, to be totally honest. And I'm like, Brad, you, our kids know Jesus because of that one thing when you, look, when you dressed up like a zombie at youth at one night because it was Friday the 13th. So we did like a, a horror evening zombie thing. I know, I know. In those days, we were, Baptist churches were wrecked. We were wild places, you know. And because of that night, and you threw the net out, and my kid gave their life to Jesus, and they're still following him today because of that night. That night stands out, and I'm going, Philip, I, I can't even remember that. But there's something of an investment. And so to grow means to invest, actually. It's to give of ourselves, of our resources, of our time. Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field. And a man... Found it. What does he go do? He, he sells everything that he has to invest in that field because he knows the treasure in the field <laughs> is so much more valuable to what he has now. Rian is investing and Helen is investing. Are they investing their lives into you? Do you know that? They love you dearly. <laughs> they I mean, I love it when I speak to Ryan. His, his heart for every single person. He knows every one of you by name. I, I'm trying to catch up. I'm like, yes, how do you know that man? Like, he knows where you are. He, he sees where God can take you. <laughs> it's beautiful to see, actually. His capacity for the love of people. And specifically, God's people. He's investing in you because he knows the treasures in you far outgrow even himself. And then I'm going to end with this scripture from Paul. 2 Corinthians 11, 23-30. This is how much we should invest. Are they servants of Christ? He's asked the question. Am I, um, am I out of my mind talking like this? Like he's like, wow, well, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to do it. He says this. He says, I am more. I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Jesus only had that once. <laughs> and that's, it was brutal. They had these leather strands of like metal, but he's, man, it just wrecked you. It ripped your flesh to the bone. That's crazy. <laughs> Here is even five times investment. Okay, carry on. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. What? This guy's a legend. I've been consistently on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled. I have gone often without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I have gone without food. I've been cold and I've been naked. Yes, I love this guy. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? I do not feel weak. Oh, sorry. And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly burn. And so we are called to be disciples, not Christians. I agree with Ria. We're called to be intimate with the Lord. We're called to be interactive into each other. We're called to be Oh man, I just went blank now. Um, intentional in the way we build relationships. But more than that, we're called to invest. And so even as um, Jesus walked this earth and he had disciples, you know that some left him, hey? In John 6, verses 66 to 69, we're going to go into a time of breaking bread now. Can I just go into it or do you want to just go? Um, it says this, uh, from this time, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. 
So the context here was he was speaking about breaking bread, actually. He was speaking about eating his body and drinking his blood. <laughs> and he was explaining that he's going to go to the cross. He's going to be the sacrifice. And we're going to do this in remembrance of his awesomeness. And so many of his disciples, it's not saying random people that are following around. It's actually disciples. People that should be intimate. People that should be connecting with each other. People that should be investing. People that should be intentional. Many of them no longer followed him. And then he asks the 12. He says this. He says to the 12, do you want to leave too? <laughs> and some of us might be sitting here going, man, I don't know if I can live this life. And can I say this? You can't live this life without the Spirit. Without the power of Jesus living in and through you. We cannot do this on our own effort. And I'm not saying that. We've got to do this on Christ's effort. And then Simon says this. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so we're called to look like Christ in one sense, but also serve one another in another. And as we come to break bread, I want to ask you this. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you, you can meet with him this morning for the very first time. After Peter had been preaching, after Pentecost came, he did this amazing sermon, and the people cut to the heart. And they said, what do we do to be saved? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. And so if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, can I ask you this? The reason why you're feeling like you want to meet with him is you're realizing that there's something that's blocking you. You've got sin. He's not your Savior. Just repent to him. I'm not going to ask you to do something or pray a thing. Just go, hey, God, I, I'm a sinner. I want to repent of my attitudes. I want to repent of my heart. I want to repent of whatever he's laying in your heart. Repent. And you'll know him. And then for us who believe, before we come, Paul says, examine your heart. Because we can't come to this. This is a, and if you're not a believer, please don't partake. Because it's a, it's a, it's a thing of, Jesus, I'm remembering what you did on the cross for me. If you don't believe in him, you can't remember what he did for you. But if you are a believer, can, you, can I ask you right now, just to spend a few moments with the Lord, Searching your heart. Maybe there's unforgiveness in you. Maybe there's a bad attitude. Maybe you're feeling like some of those disciples, man, this is too heavy for me. Maybe you've just had a really sucky weekend. You're like, God, I don't know if I can just spend a few moments with the Lord. Just here I am. Maybe he's highlighted one of the four points. Just bring that to him. Father, as we just quiet our hearts before you, we desperately want to be your disciples. Thank you for being a great model for us. Actually, the greatest model. Lord, we want to pray now that your Holy Spirit will just come upon every single one of us. Lord, as we bring our hearts to you, Lord, that your spirit will open the, heart, the eyes of our hearts, Lord, in a sense. That you'll reveal to us your goodness, your mercy, and how much we need you this morning. Lord, as we bring our things to you, that you'll shape us into men and women young and old, who look more like you.
And as Jesus speaks to you, we're trusting that God can speak through prophets. He can speak through words of knowledge. He can speak, but he can speak to you as, as well. Last time I preached, I threw out two words. One was, um, so I felt like someone wanted to commit suicide, and the other one, they were angry at the Lord. And you know, that, that wasn't a response in the moment, but through the weeks, actually both of those both of those, those, those words were responded to, um, which is quite crazy. So even now, as God's highlighting stuff, please don't like block him from what he wants to do in you. Father, we want to thank you for the bread that presents your body. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for coming to be our atonement, for taking our place on the cross. Lord, we want to thank you for your blood that flowed freely to wash us and cleanse us. Thank you that we can remember the goodness of our God. And even as it's Palm Sunday, Lord, and as we build up to your death and resurrection this week, Lord, that our spirit will be so captivated and renewed by the work of the cross and the empty grave. And so, Lord, as we come and break bread together, we, we do it not because of us, we do it because of who you are. And we want to say that we love you, we want to honor you and we want to reflect you well, God, in these moments. So maybe when you're feeling ready, if you want to do it with as com groups or in couples or friendships, friendship groups or whatever, in your own time, come.